This is the Ridge Hunter Outdoors podcast. This is episode 24. I'm Canyon Clark here with Nate Burgess and Scott Clark. We're at the Iowa Deer Classic uh, recording a show in here. So I know we're a day late on when we normally come out, but hopefully if you guys were listening last week, you heard we was going to be up here. Uh, didn't know. I was for sure we weren't going to be able to get one last night since we were on the road. Um, it was a good. We drove, what, six and a half hours yesterday and finished it up today. So it wasn't too bad, but. Um, we had a good day yesterday. This is Saturday when we're recording it, and man, has this been a busy place. Yeah, there's a lot of people here. Lots and lots of people. Yep, which is good. Uh, I know we got some, uh, hopefully some new listeners, so if you guys are listening to this, we appreciate it. Um, but today we're going to talk about prescribed burns, because that's seems to be getting more and more popular all the time, and it's really popular right now. Um, a lot of people think about doing it in the springtime. You can do it in the fall as well, and we'll talk about that a little bit. So I guess we'll just jump right into it. Um, the first thing, like I just just talking about, I want to talk about, and Nate, we'll talk about kind of what you're thinking about doing on your piece as well, but um, the time of year to do it um, right now is really good. And then also in the fall, so like in the growing season, right now would be considered the dormant season. Um, and they're really the frequency and time of the year are going to be the biggest factors in the effects you actually have, whether that's on wildlife, uh, what you're actually trying to accomplish with it will be affected by what time of year you do it and how frequently. So, But like I said, the first thing, um, if you're burning now, um, you're looking at reducing that litter, so everything that's fell from the fall that's still on the ground. Um, you're going to stimulate all that herbaceous growth, which either way, whether you burn in the spring or the fall, you're going to see that. Um, and then this time of year, if you're burning, you're going to stimulate the woody growth. So like all that hardwood regeneration um, and all the smaller trees, uh, saplings and stuff like that. You'll see a lot more of those if you burn this year as opposed to in the fall. Um, now when you get into like September is a good time frame for that. Uh, during the growing season, you're going to have a higher intensity fire, which we'll talk about too, kind of the effects of that versus a lower intensity fire. If you're burning now, it's likely going to be cooler, not as much fuel. Um, now, when you're burning in the spring, though, um, you're going to reduce those woody species. Um, a lot of because that fire is hotter, so you're going to kill them, um, and there's more of them out there. Um, and then it's also, like I said, going to stimulate that herbaceous growth. So that's kind of the two different times a year you can do it, and a lot of people look at doing it now. I think it's probably easier to control right now. Um, generally, the it's more wet now than it will be in September in, in general. Um, and there's just not as much fuel for it, so it's easier to keep it low intensity. Um, I don't know what you're planning on doing when you're planning on doing it uh, on your piece. I'd like to do it here pretty quick. Um, so I have a whole bunch of CRP that is getting a lot of viney growth in it, uh, just uh, stuff that's real close to the ground, uh, four to six inches high, these viney things. Um, I'm not even sure what kind of plants it really is. Uh, yeah. uh, definitely not beneficial to me. Um, I'd like to get more native grass uh, and stuff like that going back in the CRP. Uh, right. Hopefully this fire will kill out all that stuff uh, that is less desirable 
and have all of the seeds that are dormant there in the ground uh, give them a chance to come back up um, and uh, and get going again hopefully uh, give me some taller grasses um, stuff that the deer's going to like to lay in better out there right and more of that browse like what you're talking about yeah um, that's I think a lot of guys burn just to burn yep if you've already got a lot of that native stuff uh, you can look at burning like every two three years and still maintain what you've got yeah whereas you know maybe you're in a place where you don't want it to be overly thick in a certain area if you go and burn that just for the sake of burning it man it's going to grow up and be a mess yeah uh, which is part of the benefit of doing it if that's what you're looking for like what you're yeah. talking about yeah uh, i've also got some bedding areas in my woods that are kind of open more open than i want them to be uh, so i definitely want to go in there mm-hmm. uh, try to get a fire through there and see if i can uh, can get that thicker still uh, get rid of all the leaf litter and everything yep i don't want to have to be careful around my oaks that i want to protect that i don't want to kill uh, there's several mature white oaks in there a few red oaks uh, but I sure don't want to kill them. I know i got to be careful in there. Uh, but most of those are not in my bedding area. Most of those are out on the edges of the woods more uh, where I'm able to get too easier to hunt. And part of, you know, protecting your oaks or whatever you're trying to protect, if you're if you're in the woods, you know, you, you can rake those leaves away. You can blow those leaves away. Yeah. Um, a lot of it has to do with the intensity of the fire, which turns into uh, humidity in the air. So if you're burning on a real, now there's a difference between a dry day and a wet day and a humid day and a not humid day. Right. So you can be, have dry undergrowth that you're wanting to burn on a humid day and you're going to have a less intense fire, which is going to be better on your bigger timber that you're wanting to save or whatever you're wanting to save. It's going to be easier to control. If you take a low humidity day, you're going to have more intense fire, notwithstanding the the moisture in whatever you're trying to burn yeah yeah and i want to talk about the conditions too and before we get too deep into this uh, if someone comes by the booth i'm gonna have to go take care of them so i might have to duck out Um, and also if the audio is not as good as it normally is that's because we're in this big this big place but uh, anyway uh, the intensity is really going to be what you're looking at like you're talking about um, as far as killing those bigger trees um, or not Um, the effect on the wildlife most of the time, like mortality is pretty rare with your fires. Um, if it's the wrong time of year or the wrong day or something, maybe you kill some snakes and stuff like that. Um, but as far as the big animals, they're going to run and get out of there. Uh, the smaller animals are going to hide from it. Mortality on big trees uh, on a on a woods fire would be very very low. Yes. Um, yes. Now, if you have an unhealthy tree that has some hollow spots in it hollow roots or, or dry under around there yeah you can get up there and you can you can burn there and and you're going to kill that tree eventually not necessarily a healthy tree anyway uh, might turn him into a chimney that it'll burn a couple of days yeah, exactly yeah. <laughs> and but that's not a healthy tree to start with now yeah. maybe one you want to say maybe it's producing a crap ton of acorns it's just hollow in a spot or two yeah yeah so those are the ones you got to kind of kind of know what you're doing where you're doing it at oh yeah, yeah. But like I was talking about with the animals and stuff, uh, you're not really going to have to worry about killing too many of those. Yeah. Um, there is a strategy a lot of guys do where they're like a circle burn. Well, they'll start it in the middle, and then they'll go around the outside and make a circle, the ring of fire, whatever they call it. And they'll burn from the outside in and the inside out at the same time. That obviously doesn't give them a way to go. So if you can make a fire line, you know, on one side or an L shape uh, and give them a way out, that'll help with that. But as far as, like, the mortality on the trees and stuff, um, 
again, intensity has a lot to do with it. So if you can manage what you're doing there as far as um, the days you're burning, um, the amount of debris that's in the woods, uh, if you've got logs and stuff piled up, uh, tree branches piled up at the bottom, kick those things out of there. Um, go walk your pro- whatever you're going to burn because you can burn the woods like we're talking about you can burn fields a lot of guys only look at it for burning fields yeah um, you can burn woods too absolutely um, but you want to see what you're going to be burning anyway so go walk it take the time to go through it and get rid of all that other crap that's going to make it really hot on the bottom of those trees you want to save um, and that's going to be uh, really beneficial and then obviously the wind has a lot to do with that uh, and conditions and stuff but intensity is going to be the biggest factor I, in my opinion uh as far as what effects you're going to have. Oh, and, there's no question. And that can be dictated by the things we just talked about. It can also be dictated on how frequent you burn. So if you're burning pretty uh, frequent, we'll call it one to three years, you're going to have a lot less intense fire because there's not going to be as much fuel growing back up there. Yeah. And, and you're also going to see, like if you're burning on that one to three years, um, you're going to maintain kind of that early successional growth period, yep. which is what you're looking for in a lot of, t- a lot of situations. That's what you want. Um, it it'll reduce those woody species and it'll reduce the soft mass too because it'll it'll kill those every year. Um, it doesn't really give them a chance to grow up and be tall. Now, if you're burning infrequently, which we'll call three to five years, five to ten years, you're gonna or never, lot, uh, right? <laughs> you're gonna <laughs> or and for you the de- first time, and you decide to go in there and burn. Sure, uh, you're gonna have a lot more fuel. It's gonna be if you think of a thicket. I mean, that's what you're talking about. If you're burning every five years, you're gonna have a thicket every five years. It's gonna have a lot of vertical structure. Um, some soft mass in there, and then it'll be dominated by those woody species, the trees and stuff like that, shrubs. Um, so there's going to be a lot of fuel there, going to be higher intensity, and you're more likely to kill all that stuff. Um, so that's kind of some of the ways you can dictate how intense it's actually going to be. Um, and I think probably a combination of the two is the best way to establish diversity where you're at, whether that be you burn twice in six years and then you don't burn again for seven years or you take one part of your property and you burn it every seven years and you take the other part of your property and you burn it every two every three uh, i think that's probably the diversity is naming a game and about everything that we do as far as uh you know deer managers so i think that's a good way to establish that um, i don't know what are you thinking about probably wanting to do the fields and the woods this year if you're going to do it um I mean, what would you like to do anyway? I think I'd like to burn it all and see exactly what I get. Mm -hmm. Um, I know one guy that had fantastic results with burning 30 acres of CRP Mm -hmm. about five years ago. Um, I... That's when I first started getting interested in it. Um, I saw what he had, I saw him burn it, and then I saw what came back. And it didn't look hardly anything like... What he got back didn't look hardly anything like what he started with. Right. Now, when you say come back, do you mean like immediate comeback or uh, like you looked the, at the it next, now the and then fall. you looked at it six or eight months down the road? Yeah, the next fall. Because um, I've been on a lot of field fires as a firefighter, and, and you burn off a lot of CRP, and it don't, it greens up almost instantly. Yes. But I don't ever think, okay, I'm going to go back six months from now or eight months from now and see what kind of foliage or what kind of growth I have. I just know it greens up pretty darn quick, really. Yes. Um, so he just had uh, a lot of fescue with some briars and stuff in there. Um, no native grasses that I noticed at all in there. Uh, he burned it about this time of year, 
the next fall he had a lot of Indian grass, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, lots of tall stuff, uh, no switchgrass, but stuff that was similar to switchgrass in height. Mm-hmm. Um, and the deer just stayed in there like crazy. It was unbelievable the change that that made. And all he had to do was light it on fire. <laughs> right, um, right. And I, I suppose fire is somewhat, uh, uh, it's attractive a little bit. Uh, you see all these guys that are putting all these. It looks cool. Yeah, all these guys putting all these pictures on Instagram and these videos on Facebook, how they burn their place and then half of the neighbors too, you know. Right. It's a little yeah. exciting. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and there's a lot of times, if you're not looking to set back your successional stage or your serial stage, like say you got switchgrass field and you just want to keep it in switchgrass, if you mold that thing every couple of years, every three years, you can accomplish the same goal as burning it in that situation. And it's going to reseed just like it would with the fire. Um, now, if you're looking to, like I said, set back, get back to that early successional stage or keep it there, maintain that native growth and what's already there, then burning it, you're not going to be able to do that mowing it. All mowing's going to do in that case is make it shorter. It's still going to be in the same stage it is. Like if you had a mower big enough to mow up 80-acre woods, uh, or sorry, 80-year-old woods, you're still going to have an 80-year-old woods, but they're going to be, you know, six-inch tall tree stumps and stuff. But it's still the same composition uh, in effect. Obviously, it's going to have sunlight and all that. going to go back. But uh, for an example, um, if you go in and mow a field just full of a bunch of grasses, you're just going to get a bunch of grasses back. Yeah, I think the difference between mowing and burning is when you mow, all that lays there, and it doesn't all turn to compost. It, it, you, you build up a layer of stuff, mm-hmm. and, and burning not only opens up the seeds in that stuff that you mowed, but it also gets rid of that and, and opens up the ground to more growth uh, yeah. and, and moisture and all that. And I even think if a guy would go in there and burn it and then run a disc over it afterwards... I don't know if you would achieve much different result, but it might come faster, you know, because you're going to work up what's down below too, and then also give that a, a pretty good seed bed for what's already there. Um, I'd love to be able to get rid of all this viney stuff that's out there in the CRP. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that burning it will do it. Uh, like I said, I honestly don't even know what it is, but I know when you, uh, I got me a couple of mode pads that I use for access to get through back there, you know. Early in the morning, I trip on this stuff. Yeah. Pretty regular, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're walking out through there, and you'll catch your foot on this vine, and it's just everywhere. Um, you'll find where it's coming out of the ground, and those vines will stretch 10, 15 feet easy, yep. you know. Yep. Um, just real low to the ground, whatever it is, I don't know. Um, but it, it's not beneficial to me at all. The, the deer want nothing to do with that stuff. Right. Yeah, they're not going to eat it. No. It uh, doesn't do any good for cover. Nope. Um, does then, a lot of good for Nate hitting the ground. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tripping uh, me. And that's a thing, like in the fields, uh, if you're burning a field and you're trying to keep it low intensity, um, you can go out there and mow that thing first. It's going to help a bunch. Uh, we've all seen, like you said, being on the fire department, uh, a CRP field, for example, that's standing five foot tall, burns a heck of a lot hotter and faster than one that's just been mowed. Yeah. I mean, the stuff that's laying there is going to burn, but down underneath and stuff it's not going to skip across the top of there and yeah get out of hand as easily um, and maybe that's a good lead into about maybe how you should go about burning um, and the first thing i would say whether it's woods or field is to get you a good fire break wherever you want that thing to stop um, and mowing is not a fire break no uh, dirt won't burn if you can get a disc in there a dozer um, something to that effect 
that can make you a pretty good fire break. And make sure it's wide enough, because we've all seen fire jump a road, for example, if it's yep. burning hot enough. So um, that's a big thing, having a plan uh, going I th- into yeah, I it. Think, I think having a plan, and then I think checking with either your county or your city or your fire protection district and making sure you can burn because right. uh, a lot of districts have no burn ordinances and they have certain times where you can burn and going out there and talking to those folks go up there to your local fire chief or your local fire marshal or whatever whoever it may be and saying hey listen this is what i want to do here's my plan can you help me or can you advise me be more those guys will be more than happy as a fire chief trust me i'd be more than happy to help my people around here say yes this is the safe way to do it and either we can help you or you know what your plan's good enough we we probably don't need to help you everything looks good let's go for it and here's the times that you can do it here's what we'd like to see no problems there check with your local authorities first uh They'll be more than more than willing and more than happy to help you out with that. Yeah. Guaranteed. And, you know, your local fire department is going to be a big one to contact because, like us, I mean, most of the time we're going to be more than happy to go out there and sit in, our, sit in the truck and put out some fire when it gets to where you don't want it. You know what I mean? Uh, a lot of times, especially in the rural department where you're going to be seeing that, they're not doing much anyway, you know. And you uh, know those guys. are Most of them your neighbors. And, yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. Go contact those guys and see if they'll come out and help you and stand by. Um, and even if you're not going to do that, call the dispatch center and tell them you're burning here. That way you don't get 100 phone calls in it, and then they end up there anyway. And, and most of the time, your local fire officials are going to know what the weather's going to be. They're going to know the fire danger for any particular time. Let's say Nate wants to burn next weekend. Odds are his local fire official is going to say, you know what, it, it looks like the humidity is going to be really low and it's going to be windy on Saturday. Maybe we ought to put this off, those kind of things. Even if they don't have any no-burn no burn ordinances, it's likely they're going to have specific times they would rather you not. Yep. yep. Just because you've got one day you think you can do it, if it looks like it's going to be a really bad day conditionally, don't burn it just because that's the one day that you that's really right. think you yep. need to do it. Uh, wildfires are not a good way to make friends. No. <laughs> Figure out the parameters for the condition, weather conditions you need to have. And if you don't have them all, just don't do it. Yeah. Don't mess with it. It can get way too out of control, way it's, too fast. It's not worth it. No. You, you, it's not worth it. <laughs> nope. It ain't worth burning down someone's house yeah. or their property that they didn't want burned. Yeah. Well, bad, bad case scenario, you burn something you don't want to burn. Worst case scenario, you get over on your neighbors on something that he doesn't want. Even yeah. if it's non-valuable, it's not yours. Yeah. Right? And so you have to take that into consideration where you're going. And fire does strange things mm-hmm. when the weather conditions are right. So even if you're far away from your neighbor or something you don't want to burn, if you're not a professional, contact the guys that are ask for a little help they'll give it to you not a big deal and you're going to accomplish the main thing is you're going to accomplish what you want to accomplish safely when you're doing this it's a tool in the toolbox Mm -hmm. when you're when you're using this tool which is fire you do it safely yeah and speaking of that definitely make sure you have the tools that you're going to need while you're doing this i mean rakes shovels uh leaf blowers um if you've got like even uh 25 gallon boom sprayer or spot yes. sprayer that you use for your herbicide fill that thing up with water yes um, make sure you got stuff that you can make uh, manage the fire with while you're burning it um, get all that stuff get all your ducks in a row is the biggest thing as many of your buddies as possible yep yep absolutely 
get them buckets of water if you got to stand in places right yeah. you cannot be too prepared when you go to when you go to sit in that first uh, line of fire yeah because you know even under the perfect conditions fire can do goofy stuff yeah and get away from you it and will it will make its own wind even if it's not a windy day it will make yeah. its own wind especially if you're talking about high intensity most of us can't afford to hire a company to come out and burn for us so we have to do it ourselves and there's nothing wrong with it as long as we do it safely yep um and they're actually uh, most of the time your state agencies and stuff or your state forestry programs they will have burn plans that you can look up and you can fill out um, and like you said sometimes you got to get a permit maybe you don't need anything but you still it's a good idea to go and have a permit and all that uh, yeah there's a lot of counties I mean, to have a, lot a, of, plan. a lot of jurisdictions may or may not may not require you to have a plan but they will require certain uh, certain no burn days no burn months whatever the case might be so uh, make sure that their laws fit into your plans uh, depending on what you want to do mm-hmm. um, and uh, not even just the burn plan but have a goal for what you're trying to accomplish with the fire don't just be burning to burn uh, because it looks cool on Instagram um, figure out what you've got going on on your property um, and then decide whether you need to or not and then if you decide you need to what are you looking to accomplish when you do it like what you said you're looking to get rid of some of that crap that they don't want and replace it with the natural browse, uh, the shrubs and stuff that they do want, uh, the forbs and all that, that they're gonna browse in and bed in. Um, like in your woods, it's not really ideal for them right now to be bedding in or anything in certain areas, so you're wanting to thicken that up. Yes, um, I could definitely make that better. Know what you're trying to do. And, yep. and, and you know, Jeff on his property, um, they went and logged that, and then it's been burned a couple of times, and there's parts of it you can't walk through. Once, not on purpose, well, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe twice, not on purpose. <laughs> yeah. But either way, it's been yeah. burned. Either way, it's, it's, uh, it has caught fire, yeah. So if you're not looking for that type of result, uh, really think about what you're doing before you go setting fire. And this is talking about, you know, fire to change the habitat, not just you got a food plot left over from last year, and I'm going to go in and burn this thing. Uh, so I can rework it, which is fine too. You know, I mean, it's a good option for doing that, but uh, we're talking about burning as a way of uh, affecting the habitat, I guess, you know, changing it, whether it be the structure or the cover or the browse available, that kind of stuff. Um, and again, it's good to do in the woods or, or in the open, um, but have a plan, have some goals set for yourself, uh, contact all the right people. Don't just do it because it's the cool thing to do, uh, but it definitely can be beneficial. And I like where you're thinking, uh, you know, on your property. I think it's probably a pretty good option in, in places. Uh, I, uh, to my knowledge, there's never been a fire on that ground in my lifetime. Uh, that's almost 30 years now, uh, which is crazy to think about. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I don't think that I have any drawbacks uh, of, of having a fire myself at this point. I don't think it can do anything but potentially right, help right. me, uh, aside from get out of hand, you know. Uh, that, that'd <laughs> yeah. be the only obvious drawback. Yeah. Uh, but it, I'd love I'd love to get rid of that viney stuff in the CRP, hopefully thicken up my bedding areas a little more with the regrowth that I get from that fire. Like yeah. your CRP, what, <laughs> what uh, 
what kind of, I guess, what size or, or what kind of blocks are you thinking about? You say you like the wood, wouldn't mind to burn it all. Yeah, so there's a 40, there's a 40 uh, back in the back, and then there's a 20 that lays north of that, and then there'd be probably 25 acres on the east side of the creek, uh, fairly long and skinny. Um, I've not really decided how to do it yet, exactly what steps I need. That's uh, kind of what the I was order. getting at with yeah. you, how you're going to block that off yeah. and to say I'm going to burn – I can burn half this 40, or I can burn this uh, 20 here, or, you know, I didn't know if you had a, you knew how you were going to do it, or you just you just didn't want to light it and burn all 100 of it, or, you know. Um, that would be, that'd be the easiest thing to do, but I don't think it's the wise thing to do. Um, I know i got to keep it from going south. That's onto the neighbors. Uh, that'll be my biggest hurdle there, right. is to make sure it doesn't go south. Um it can burn all the way into the edge of the woods uh, to the creek on the west side, and I'm fine with that. That'll be just fine. That creek should help uh, quite a bit. Um, I should only have to worry about it trying to cross that creek in a few spots. Um, when it gets to the north end of the, of the woods, if it burns through the woods, small patch of woods up there, um, most of that is what I'm wanting to have as bedding area. I might try to cut it off at the edge of what I want to be the bedding area and leave the rest of it uh, or I might have it go ahead and burn through the woods to try to get rid of all that litter and see if I can get some of these oaks uh, these oak sprouts to come back up then on the east side it, it's going to burn to another creek so that's okay there but then when I get on the east side of the creek to burn that last little bit that's where it could get tricky because at the north end is grandma's old house um, and I can't let it get on the neighbors out in their pasture to the east either right, uh, right. but I, I need to come up with a good strategy um, I've got a couple of places where it's okay. It'll just burn up to the creek, um, and then the road on the north, of, on the west half. But anyway, I got to have a good strategy of how to do it. Another thing, and you get into burning in woods like this time of the year, is your smaller trees. If they start budding, it doesn't take a lot of heat to knock a bud off. If you kill a bud on a tree this time of year, you're going to kill the tree. Yeah. Or at least, I mean, it ain't going to do anything this year. It ain't going to do anything this year, and more often than not, you're going to kill it, based on my experience with with fire against tree buds. So, yeah, it's probably not going to hurt anything in the woods. It depends on whether you're looking for new growth 25, 30, 40 years down the road and what that's going to do to it for a couple of years. You might end up with better sprouts from the fire than what you're killing with the fire. So yep. those, those, those kinds of things to think about. And that's... Uh, one thing on the woods I wanted to mention too, if you have reservations about burning, even though it's just pretty bare at the bottom, uh, but your reservations are coming from a place of you've got oaks that you don't want to kill, whether that be young ones or a pretty good stand of old ones, it is impossible to manage a deer herd based on acorn production. It's a good thing to have if you've got it, uh, if you've got some of it and you can keep it, absolutely, by all means, do it. It's a really good hunting tool. It's a pretty poor deer managing tool uh, because you can't predict it. Uh, we all know some years, like last year, we had a pretty good acorn crop, but some years are going to be a lot better than others. Uh, and it's just not that much forage compared to what they can get from, and we've talked about this maybe on the last podcast or the podcast before, uh, it's not as much forage as what they're going to get from all those natural forbs and stuff mm -hmm. anyway. And you know that stuff's going to be there every year. Uh, you're going to have 
you know, anywhere from one to four tons an acre, uh, or 4,000 pounds an acre. Is that right? I think, I think you were in thousands. Yeah, yeah one to 4,000 pounds an acre, uh, so two tons of forage an acre if you burn it versus leaving that. So hopefully you'll have acorns once every three years uh, that the deer are going to eat on. And like I said, acorns are great for hunting if you can find them, a great tool for hunting strategy, not the best for managing a deer herd or managing the habitat in that aspect so if that's your reservation uh, maybe take another look at it and decide maybe okay maybe burning it would be better to promote some of that other growth I uh, I've got very few trees in there uh, that are any smaller than my upper arm very few in that uh, probably close to 10 acres of woods Um, so I mean it's very mature Uh, I could stand a whole to gain a whole lot uh, by getting fire up in there in where I'm wanting them to bed to get that natural stuff, uh, the native stuff growing again to get mm-hmm. those sprouts back growing, uh, make it thicker in there. Uh, the edges, I probably still want to keep the edges open because I don't want them laying on the edges because uh, that's the only place I can slip in there to try to hunt. So I don't want them bedding too close to my stand. But if that fire got all the way through my bedding area, I think it'd be very beneficial. Yeah, yeah, I think it'd definitely help. And uh, like we was just talking to a guy earlier uh, he asked what you do for bedding. If you can burn it and get some of that natural stuff growing, you're going to have cover and some browse for them, uh, depending on what comes back. I mean, with what comes back. Uh, and like I was telling him, you know, deer are going to feed two, three times a day from their bed. So if you can give them some browse close to where they're bedding at on your property, that's that much more time they're going to spend there. And that's that bedding is going to become that much more attractive they're not going to want to go very far out of their bed during the middle of the day to browse around and eat uh, and then if you've got that close to where they're bedding then they're on you during the daytime then they go to your food plot earlier before they go hit the destination field at night uh, it all just kind of snowballs from there but like as you're talking about with your bedding area if it gets in there it's probably not going to hurt you any. Uh, and there's a lot of ways you can do that that aren't fire but that's what we're talking about so uh, there's uh, there's a lot of benefits to it, in my opinion, that, in a lot of different ways. Uh, obviously, there are some uh, bad effects, you know, that it's going to have, too, if you don't do it the right way. And, and even if you do do it the right way, you're still going to kill some stuff that maybe you didn't want to kill. Um, there's give and take with it. But I think, depending on the situation, uh, it's a lot more beneficial than it is not. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you're in the right situation where you need it. And we talked about some of the stuff that why you might want to do it or might not want to do it. So, but uh, you got anything else to add on burning or, or fires or anything you can think about? Try to come up with everything, every possible possibility, Con- yeah. uh, and have a plan for all of that. Um, no fire break is too small. That's right. That's or or right. too is too big. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, six foot minimum, absolute yeah, minimum. I would, I would say think. so. Yeah. Uh, if you think you got it big enough, just go ahead and make it a little bit yeah, bigger. Yeah, double it. He'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of uh, what we got on fire for you guys. Hopefully it helps because, like I said, a lot of people are burning right now. Uh, if you go on the man, you know, the Facebook groups and stuff and Instagram, that's about all you're seeing It, right it seems to be the trending thing right now. Yeah. And it has been and, the last couple of years. And, since and, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, Nate, you know, my two things would be, number one, have a plan, have a reason you're going to do it. Not just because, uh, like you say, you see it everywhere. Have a plan. Have a reason. 
and, and be safe about it. Yep, absolutely. Um, so, like I said, that's kind of what we got on fire. Uh, if you guys have any questions about whether you think you need to burn, um, looking to get some more opinions on it, how to do it, you guys can uh, contact us too. Uh, we can be a resource for that. We've got obviously a lot of experience with fire in general, uh, brush fires and field fires, woods fires and all that. And then on the, you know, the habitat side of it and the deer manager side of it, uh, whether you need to actually do it or not. What do you think about it? You know, we recommended a guy last year who was pretty set on burning some stuff uh, to not do it because he was already already had what he needed in a particular spot. Um, didn't really think it was going to benefit him. Yeah, the spot he was thinking about burning uh, when you got to talking to him and going beyond the burn and saying, okay, what are you expecting? What do you, what do you, what do you want to accomplish with this burn? He, he already had yeah. what he wanted to accomplish with without burning yep and so he didn't have to get the local authorities involved we didn't have to go in there and help him burn so it saved him some Our money saved him some time creating and maintaining okay we kind of got cut off there by an announcement through the the event hall so uh so our point was the guy was wanting to burn but when we got to talking to him and got to asking what he was expecting to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish he basically already had what he was looking for, he was just caught up in that burn craze. Yeah. And and we actually recommended that he not burn. And when we got to talking to him, he said, you know what, yeah, it kind of makes sense. I, I, I really hadn't thought about that. You're right. And yeah. so uh, he did not burn, and I think he accomplished what he wanted to accomplish with. Yeah. Yep. Setting a fire only for a picture on Facebook or Instagram is definitely not worth That's it. That's a very that, poor reason. Is that called arson? <laughs> uh, it's got to be borderline. Border. If it's your ground and you're not collecting insurance, I guess you're all right. I don't know if there's been any precedent set on that yet or not. But, yeah. So, like I said, again, uh, if you guys have any questions about it, want to know anything about it, want to decide whether you need to do it or not, just let us know. We'll help you out. Um, we can tell you a lot by pictures. So It ain't even like somewhere we necessarily have to come out and see everything. So uh, And talking to you, we get some information and let you know about it. Uh, like you just said, don't burn just for the sake of burning. But with all that, uh, we can talk about the show a little bit. Uh, I've I've been pleased with the show so far and the amount of people that are here. Uh, we were talking about it on the way up. This is kind of the mecca for whitetail shows, in my opinion. Uh, they at do least things, of the Midwest. Yeah, at, at least, least of the Midwest. Yeah, I think they do things really well. Uh, we haven't had any hiccups with anything as far as the show goes. Um, what's been kind of your favorite favorite part of the show maybe not just as an exhibitor but just walking around and seeing stuff and there's some big names here too so mm-hmm. um, oh it's neat to see what all's out there it's neat to see uh, uh, all the guys the businesses that they have established mm-hmm. um, you know all of them at least started uh, just like what we are here you know right. um, they just uh, they were cutting their teeth you know uh, some of these guys, you can tell they're just starting. Other guys, you can tell they've been doing this for 25 years. Yep. Um, but it's neat to see what everybody has to offer to the hunting industry. Uh, uh, I suppose you have to call it an industry at this point. Oh, yeah, it definitely is. Uh, there's so many different areas. Everything, 90% of everything in here is just focused on deer hunting, yep. whitetail hunting. Yep. Uh, but the variety that you see in here of all the things that comes with whitetail hunting uh, it is pretty interesting. I mean, we're sitting across from a guy with a, a pretty successful uh, woodworking business that's building 
pedestals, um, different ways to showcase mounts, mm -hmm. uh, all that stuff. That's pretty neat. Uh, and the guy next to him is selling the finished product here. Yeah. Uh, yep. uh, beef sticks. I suppose he's not got deer, but he's got beef sticks. He's selling beef, but he does deer. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, lots of interesting stuff here, especially if you can get around and, uh, and talk to some of these guys when they're not busy, um, see where they're from, mm -hmm. uh, what all they've been doing, uh, what works for them, uh, and just how their business has grown over the years. Yeah, it's kind of cool like what you were just talking about right here in our own block because we got the guys across from us who seem to be fairly established but not a guy name you've heard of. Yeah. Uh, maybe if you're in the pedestal buying business, I guess, maybe. But then next to them, you got the Breaking Point. Uh, the, TV show. Uh, yep. On YouTube. I uh, shoot, they got all kinds of stuff. They're on Roku, and I think they've got their own website that their stuff's on. They got yep. DVDs and stuff. They're kind of like, uh, they're not quite a hunting public big, but they're bigger than we are. You know, they're kind of in that stage. Yep. And then on the booth next to us, the ENJ Outdoors, uh, I would say probably a step above them, but below the booth that's to the other side of us, which is Hoyt Archery. Uh, that's a name that I, I think, think you have to know. Well, <laughs> I asked the guy earlier if they was just starting out or not, you know, if this was their first year here, because they seem to be doing pretty good with clients and stuff. I mean, their brand awareness is unbelievable for a new company. Uh, if you guys haven't heard of them, you should check them out. But, no, we got Hoyt right beside us, so it's kind of cool in our own little block. And then, of course, we got us where we're, you know, in our – I guess technically fourth year of business. Uh, 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 what was I saying? Oh, we're in our fourth year of business, so you know we're kind of on the early edge of it. Uh, we're giving away koozies here, so I lost my train of thought. A couple people stopped by to get a couple. Uh, but you've got even it's just in our own little block, and then once you expand that out to the whole rest of the show, there are just so many different levels, entry, you know, all the way up to like you said, guys have been around for 25, 30 years. Yep. Uh, and seeing their setups and what they're doing, uh, I think is really cool. Seeing some of the new stuff that they come up with, some of the dumb stuff that they come up with, <laughs> some of the stuff that you look at and think, man, that's a really good idea. Um, and then, of course, you know, they've got their their Iowa Deer Hall of Fame up here and their big buck contest, their shed contest. I don't know how many sheds they had in there. There was a bunch. Yeah. But I, that was all really cool, too. It was really yes. interesting. We were talking about that earlier. Uh, a lot of the deer in there, you know, you walk through and then you see one that's 150 inches and it don't look very big. Yeah, that's right. You know you're, uh, you're someplace special when you walk through there and you're thinking that about 150s. Yep, absolutely. Um, and I do like that it's, like you said, 90% geared towards whitetail hunting. Yeah. Some of the shows you've been at in the past are kind of just outdoor expos in general and you don't get quite the same group of people. All outdoorsmen, which is great. But when you can get around this many guys that are just deer hunters, uh, now it's not saying they're not other things too. We've talked about a couple different guys about bank polling and catfishing yeah. and stuff, absolutely. But uh, everybody's here for the same reason of deer hunting. And it's a really cool culture, in my opinion. And like you said, the industry, uh, meeting all these people, getting to see everybody, uh, it's been pretty cool. Oh, I yeah, think. for uh, sure. What Dad will get set back down here, we'll figure out what he's liked the most about the show. So. We were just talking about uh, kind of our favorite parts of the show, and Nate was talking about, you know, the, kind of the diversity of, of groups. Hang on just a second. What's basically been your favorite part of the show? Uh, you know, I haven't seen that many bones in a long time uh, as far as antlers and stuff. Uh, I enjoyed going up there with Nate and looking at those. And... Uh, 
I don't know. There's just there's just there's something about being around a whole room full of like-minded people. Yep, that's what I was just saying too. That that there's a comfort there. There's a it's like everybody here is your friend. You've never met him before, but but we all think alike. We all act alike. Um, I would guess there's a lot of people packing in here. <laughs> right. You know. You know. Um, I'm, I don't know for sure. I don't know how legal it is. I don't want to ask. I don't really care. Uh, and I'm sure nobody else does either. Right. But but everybody here is enjoys the same things we do, I think. Yeah. And it's cool to get to talk with those people, and especially in uh, today's world, to know there are this many people who are still sane, you know, and have their wits about them. And, and you can talk to and just get along with people from all kinds of different backgrounds, um, and just kind of we all like the same thing so we can talk about it we got a common interest uh, it's pretty cool and there's been like I said a ton of people here uh, this is I'd like to hopefully come back maybe make this an annual thing as far as coming up here because it's blown away the other shows that I've been to seen stuff like that uh, we're going to try to get to maybe one more this year uh, in Illinois but this one's been pretty how, good how I think far be, is that from Kansas uh, <laughs> well it's a few hour drive I have to look it up on Google Maps but uh, no, it's been it's been a really good show, and I think it'd be kind of hard to beat, you know, in the future, as far as uh, what we do in whitetail hunting. Um, there are a few beer, a few big deer up here. Yeah, there are a few beers too. <laughs> uh, they start drinking about ten thirty. So well, we got here at eight thirty, and I went to get a cup of coffee, and the bar was open, but the coffee shop was not. <laughs> if that tells you anything. Yeah. The yep. show opens at 9, and by 10 o'clock, there was more people called with cold beer than there was hot coffee. Yep. Which which yep. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh, no, I think it's been good good so far, and we got the rest of the night and a whole other day to go to. I guess this will probably come out on Sunday, so you all be listening to this on our last day here. But um, if you are planning on getting up here today, I'll say, since it will be Sunday. Come check us out. We're in booth 305, which is right on the end of 300. Like I said, we're by the Hoyt Archery booth. Um, and come say hi. See a lot, us. A lot of traffic. Good place to be. Yep. Uh, it's 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 busy, but it's not like you can't. It's not like you can't get around. Elbow to elbow crowded, like you're uncomfortable in a crowd. Right. And I don't really notice that it being that crowded because, like I said, everybody thinks the same. Everybody acts the same, and you don't have to worry about. It people being stupid necessarily uh, in a lot of different ways I've noticed uh, a majority of people are enjoying refreshments Mm -hmm. but I haven't noticed anybody being stupid no and so again it's like-minded people yep and then like I said I kind of hinted at earlier there's some big names here too you got you know like Midwest Whitetail the booth that apparently vanishes into thin air (laughs) <laughs> yeah. we had to walk around and find it we had to walk around a few times to find right, it right. but uh, uh, and then you got white hey. children what's going on man good, <laughs> good show like hey uh, white tail adrenaline's over there they got a really nice they got a sweet setup over there those guys do uh, of course all the big blind manufacturers are here uh, the big umbrella group that owns Bowtech and all them is here uh, you know it's really cool if you're if you're into deer hunting uh, and you like finding out what new is coming up or what's out there, I think this is a really good show to be on. And ain't, I don't remember what tickets are exactly, but they weren't crazy expensive, I don't think, either. So if you can get up here uh, even next year, 
and the Illinois Deer Classic is next week. Uh, obviously, it won't be as big, but it'll be similar type show. I gosh, what what would you say? How many deer do we see on the wall, Nate? That were one eighty and above. I mean, we walked for literally. Three quarters of them. We literally walked for close to an hour, forty-five minutes, easy. And we didn't stop. We didn't. We wasn't a fast walk, but it was just a good meander and look at this, look at that. I mean. 60, 80? Yeah, yeah. Probably. Yeah, a I lot. Mean, I mean, 180s and up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there was probably, I don't know, 100, a good 150 in there. 150 deer heads. Oh, I think there. so, yeah. So. yeah. And then sheds, gosh, yeah. how many sheds? How's it going? Yeah, there were sheds oh, everywhere. Oh, too. big time sheds, big time sheds. What's going yep. on, man? And <laughs> the canyon's got to step away for a minute. Yeah, we went and walked that room. They have a, they actually have a contest, and then where they score deer, and then they have a hall of fame of all the deer from the past. Yeah. And then they have a shed, I guess you would say maybe hall of fame. Yeah. Uh, a lot of big, big uh, monster, very, well, very well known sheds. Oh yeah, yeah Nate. Uh, well, you recognize probably three or four of those names. Yeah. You say, hey, I, hey, yeah. I remember reading this or something. So. Yeah. So if you've seen it in a magazine, um, pretty good odds are it, it may be up here. Yep, that's uh, right. And they are way more impressive in person. Oh yeah. Uh, you just don't. You just don't. It, it's a lot of bone. A yep. lot of bone. Some of them are so big it's just hard to even imagine. Yeah. You know? uh, gosh, I'd die if I saw some of those horns on, on a deer walking through. The <laughs> I woods, might get the know? shakes. I'm 56 years old. I might get the shakes. <laughs> oh man. Yep. That's for sure. Yeah, it, it was. I, I enjoyed that. Um, haven't seen that many bones in a long, long time. Yeah, uh, you pretty much got to come to a place like this uh, to get to see that. You yeah. know, there's very few other places that you can go to see anything like that. Uh, I mean, even what they got at Bass Pro and Cabela's, uh, there's still more here. You know. Definitely, and and it's a lot of them aren't that old. I yeah. mean, there's several of them this year's contest. Yeah. I, I don't know, maybe 40 mm-hmm. or so that were in this year's content. Now, they yeah. have a lot of different categories. They have women's categories. They have obviously traditional and not, and, and, and crossbow yeah. and men's and women's and all, all different categories and several entries in each category, and almost all of them are 160 and above. Oh, yeah. Maybe 180. Yeah. A lot of them 180s. Yep. Yeah. Um, People are killing big deer uh, very frequently up here. <laughs> yes. That was a case of mistaken identity. What were they accusing you of? <laughs> Not putting him on our website, which I was confused about because I didn't tell anybody I'd put him on our website. <laughs> well, he was right. You haven't put him on the website. <laughs> That's true, but I didn't tell him I would either. Uh, There's a nice hat. Yeah. No, he was from... Uh, or some other booth over there told him they put him on his website with his sheds. He had a pair of sheds that were 179 without a spread. Yeah. So like 199. Yeah. Man. He didn't have them in the contest or nothing. He just had them scored up here. But man, that's some of the stuff like what we're talking about. Yeah. And, I mean, and he thought he had somebody who was going to put them on the website, I guess. Or yeah, some other booth. He took a picture with them. They said they're going to put them on the website. And so they he, hadn't yet, huh? Yeah. He was accusing me of not. He said I look like the guy. I said, Well, I feel bad for that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like me. 
No. But even those guys, you know, good guys, just sat there and talked to them for a little bit just because they thought I was some other guy that didn't put them on the website. Right. I mean, they didn't act like they were too upset. No. No. You know, we got all kinds of people from all kinds of different backgrounds and, and stuff that up here you can just talk to, you know, about deer hunting. Well, you all share that, that commonality, really. Uh, most deer hunters, and I've noticed back when I first started, it's, it's, there are a few turd heads in everything you do. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, they're like-minded and we're all the same and pretty, pretty overall bunch of honest people that are good, good folks, good to be around, good to talk to, good to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a few guys that'll stretch the truth now and then. <laughs> well, um, yeah, well, yeah. surely you know, not. More fishermen hunter. than bow hunters. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And occasional gun hunter, so. <laughs> right, Nate? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, I think you're, uh, that's one of the things, you know, when you come up here to a show like that, too, you can meet and talk to so many people, different, so many different people about the stuff they're doing, what's working for them, what's not. Uh, maybe that, you know, you, you can't swing a dead cat without hearing a, hitting somebody that's telling a deer story around here. So if you want to hear about what they're doing or some big buck they killed, man, all you got to do is walk up and ask. Anybody around here would be glad to talk deer with you. Uh, you can learn a lot. There's a lot of guys up here. Uh, like the guy we talked to earlier is not necessarily from a, a business like us, but he does a lot of work with the DNRs around uh, for forestry and stuff. I'm sure that guy, if you had any questions about what kind of wood you got, what you need to have, he'd just be a wealth of information, uh, their whole booth. Uh, so not only can you find a lot of cool stuff to spend money on or look for coming out, uh, there's a lot of knowledge around this place too. I tell you what, seminars uh, back in the day when I used to go to a few of these, if you wanted to go and spend the day, if you had to drive real far and you were going to spend the night anyway, instead of walking around and you know in the same path for five or six hours, you can take in these half-hour, 45-minute seminars and learn a ton of stuff that you want to learn. And they have seminars on virtually any topic to do with hunting, whether you're managing, whether you've got forest. Um, they Up here, they even had a seminar on growing big fish. Yeah. Right. I mean, so whatever your most interesting thing is, uh, take in those 30 or 45 minute seminars it's, it's not that much time out of your overall day right uh rather than walking around looking bored and trying to figure out what you're going to do for the last 30 or 45 minutes use that 30 or 45 minutes on a seminar during the middle of the day and then finish up at night makes your experience pretty nice I, i've been to some of those seminars pretty interesting it's a good break you get to sit down you get to kind of chill out for a little bit it's a little quieter yeah it's, it's a little quieter and they've had some pretty good uh you don't have to have a big name a recognition name to learn a lot from somebody there's a lot of people out there that have a ton of knowledge you ain't never heard of right yep just because they're not on tv with their ten thousand dollar commercials don't mean they ain't smart right i mean i mean look at nate (laughs) (laughs) my goodness (laughs) the truth is being stretched right here no there's i know I didn't recognize the name on the seminar list, but a lot of the topics they're covering uh, and their backgrounds, you know, their resume, basically, uh, they definitely know what they're talking about. And there's a lot of interesting ones, you know, that if I was walking around, I'd probably go listen to. Well, look at that guy that was ta- you were talking to on the forest management in Iowa. Spent 
15, 20 minutes with him. It doesn't take 15 or 20 minutes to figure out that guy's pretty sharp. He knows what yeah. he's talking about. Never heard of him before. He's, he was one of the speakers at the seminar. Yeah. If you were into that, definitely a guy you'd want to listen to you ain't never heard of before. And it doesn't take long to figure out he, he's, he's not just blowing smoke or selling the latest whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, the, obviously there's going to be that at every show you go to. But, you know, uh, I've walked around a little bit and heard some sales pitches that I think, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> but there's been other ones, you know, just genuine conversation with people. Uh, most of them around here, like I said, though, are you know, going to be pretty genuine with you. and uh, They're not too pushy trying to really sell you hard on anything, anything like that. It's pretty comfortable to walk around and look at stuff. What you don't want, you just walk on by. What you do want to know about, talk to them. Uh, it's just a pretty good show all around, I think. And uh, the people here at the Classic have been awesome as far as helping us out. Uh, whether it be in the office or just loading in and out, uh, getting us all the information we need, handing stuff out. Uh, it's been definitely a show I look forward to coming back to for sure. Uh, been a good experience all the way around. Um, so I think that'll kind of do it. I don't know. We may end up recording another one tomorrow for a rainy day kind of thing. But either way, hopefully you guys enjoyed all that. Got some good information on burning. Um, and maybe we persuade you to come to the show next year and see us. If we are going to end up being at a show later this year, obviously I'll put that out. Um, again, we've got, I announced it on Facebook, we got another sponsor we picked up for the podcast, so that's exciting. So every one of those we pick up, like I said, I never want it to be like 10 minutes of ads, but that'll help us grow the podcast and make it better. So that'll be coming to you. We'll probably have him that on the next episode. We'll probably start that sponsorship. We're still working on the other one we got, um, but some pretty good companies with some good products. That'll help you guys out. We'll get you some discount codes for them, too, so it won't be just you have to listen to us blab. If you want what they got, uh, we'll make it at least somewhat worth your while to go see them. Um, And then that'll be a way you guys can support us. Another way, of course, go to RidgeHunterOutdoors.com. If you're going to buy seed anyway, um, you can buy it from us. We've got Antler King, Analogics, Whitetail Institute. Of course, we got our own stuff, Grandpa Ray Outdoors, uh, Killer Food Plots. Uh, You guys can go on there and, and find everything we got if you're doing food plots. So... Uh, another thing, go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, go follow us on Spotify. Um, if you got any comments, uh, tell us we're really bad. Tell us you really enjoyed it. Either way, you can do that on the reviews or contact us through the website. So either way, we appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you again next week, which will hopefully be back on Friday schedule. Uh, I think we're going to have a guest next week too, so that'll be fun. But appreciate it, guys, and catch you next week.